The Paralympics GB podcast with Hannah Cockcroft. This sport has found another genuine superstar. The golden girl from Halifax has done it again. Hello, I'm Hannah Cockcroft and this is the official Paralympics GB podcast. A show that gets under the skin of my fellow Paralympics GB athletes and discovers exactly what it's like to represent Great Britain on the world stage. Today, my guest is wheelchair basketball star Gaz Chowdhury, who's been an integral part of the Paralympics GB squad since his debut in 2009 at the BT Paralympic World Cup. And he was part of the squad who won bronze at the Rio 2016 Games and Tokyo 2020 Games. Spins it to Chowdhury and Great Britain will hold yet another bronze medal in the Paralympic Games. They are the specialists, a fourth bronze medal. Gaz isn't just a star on the court either. He's also a star on the screen with an up-and-coming acting career too. Gaz Chowdhury, welcome to the Paralympics GB podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Hello. <laughs> Right now, you're in Germany. Did you say Germany? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I've been told that we have to apologise for your sound quality because you're just in your massive mansion out there, flinging all your money around and not buying any furniture. But it's fine. We'll just pretend. Anyway, Gaz, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> no, pleasure. Thank you. And yeah, it's not a mansion. And um, yeah, it's just super echoey in an empty apartment, like very lonely and very alone and living out of a suitcase is what has to be happening. I'm going to say, right, this is your opportunity to sell your sport, and so far, no good. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, it's better to be, like, realistic. Like, don't set them up to fail. If there's low expectations, they won't be disappointed, right? Like, come in knowing, knowing it can be terrible, and it's only up from here. I already know they're going to be so impressed with this podcast, because uh, you've given me a few laughs already, and we've been on, like, five oh, seconds. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right, let's jump into it in the deep end. I actually learned whilst doing my research that you're not just a basketball player. You're an actor as well. Like you've got the whole IMDb page. You've got everything. So I'm going to start with the absolute million dollar question here, right? Paralympic gold medal at Paris 2024 or an Oscar? Which one are you choosing? You can only have one. Yeah, I'll take the gold. I'll take the gold. Correct answer. Exactly, of course. Like, this is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. That's the only reason to carry on, right? Absolutely. We'll park the acting for a second. Because obviously we're here to talk about basketball. We're here to talk about sport and everything that is Paralympics GB. So let's start on the court. The 2020 Paralympic Games in Tokyo. Obviously, to me, it feel like they were literally yesterday. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've just finished there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. It was like a year ago. Like, it, 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 it does feel surreal. Like, time has gone so quickly, but it does feel like it was yesterday. Yeah, and I, I don't even think, like, myself personally, I've had the time to really unpack them even. Like, I feel like I'm still, like, not really over them. Like, it, 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 it was such a wild experience that I feel like the dust is not really even settled. But it was, that's, how, that's how recent it feels. Exactly. I mean, the men's basketball team picked up a bronze, which is fantastic. Just tell me your memories from the games. How, how did you feel? How was winning that bronze medal? I mean, the winning the bronze was great. I mean, disappointment again. Still that elusive gold. Again, we, I, think, I think we were in a good position to get it, but we, we didn't. So the bronze was like more of a relief. I mean, you've got enough gold, so I don't know if you can relate, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> you kind of, you kind of <laughs> like a bronze is just relief, at least for us, uh, at least for me. Yeah, it was just like at least we leave with something. So it was, it was definitely bittersweet from that perspective. But the games were so wild for us. Like 
I mean, you were there like the village, like no crowds, like it was, the preparation was crazy. I think you were in Loughborough as well, like those lockdown camps where we weren't even allowed to like look at another person, like apart from our table. <laughs> it was just a crazy games, all of it. It was, it was. And your team actually had my worst nightmare. During the games, I think you know my fiancé, Nathan Maguire, he got a false positive test. And so I got told that my games were over because I was obviously a close contact. But you guys actually, you actually had that happen, didn't you? Like your coach didn't come and, and I, ca- I cannot imagine not having my coach at a games for me, to be fair. So how was all that? How did that feel? You know, already we, we've lost some of the athletes. We've literally just kind of put in like a, an, an in case of emergency break glass process in and literally the emergency happened like it was almost like we like manifested it <laughs> it was wild <laughs> but yeah yeah so i mean and then obviously everything up in the air i had to coach and play and and navigate through that so yeah it was it was it was definitely definitely uh, a unique experience the whole games i think was that but do you think because of all the unusual circumstances that you went through in tokyo does that add a little something to paris now you like you want to go there with a the fire in your belly and you've got a point to prove as a team 100%, 100%. And we were without some of the guys because of the whole COVID situation. They, they they opted out of playing. And that's definitely weakened our team. It kind of limited our options going back to that arithmetic of wheelchair basketball. So we're going to have those guys back and we just absolutely raring to go and having that crack at Paris. But also, like, I don't know how you felt, like, I'm kind of reversing roles here, but like, I felt like the games, the team itself, like in the Paralympics house, was the best of any games like I felt like the support for each other and, and the kind of the greater team atmosphere was the best and that was really special I'm glad I got to enjoy that and, and I got to experience that yeah I felt exactly the same to be fair I think it was almost a sense of achievement that we'd, we'd just got there you know we'd managed to get on that plane we'd avoided Covid we'd done all these things so actually the medal at the end that was just like a really amazing bonus because actually the, the big achievement was the fact that the Paralympics even went ahead I think it was so touch and go for so long wasn't it that I mean for you guys during Covid obviously I, I train in ind- individual sport so I didn't have to worry about where my teammates were who was training who wasn't training how did you deal with training during the whole pandemic well like we're really unique as a paralympic sport so we all get to enjoy to play the sport full-time in like leagues so i'm in germany i'm playing in germany right now at the time i was in spain we had like five of us playing in spain in the same team the leagues were going ahead like it's just own kind of so that we were playing games every weekend training all the time everything was our season went like normal basically short of like um testing every week and that sort of stuff and like the clubs that are professional in europe you know we had our own protocols and stuff so we were really lucky like as a as a sport it kind of carried on like normal so we all came in kind of through this like just having played a season and then we'd like kind of hit like a, a wall when it got back to England where like the processes weren't clear, everything was stopped. Like it was, it was, it was surreal. It, it felt like Spain was way more open by that point. Like we'd kind of gone through the checks and we, those processes just become second nature, you know, like masks and distancing and avoiding crowds and that sort of stuff. So we were really lucky as a sport, to be honest. I think that probably speaks to the standard of Uche basketball play as well. The pandemic didn't affect the leagues in Europe as much as other sports would have been affected. I'm actually really, really jealous at this point. I got three races in 2020, so... (laughs) 
Yeah, that's tough. And um, I mean, credit to you, your performances then, because I can't imagine being ready for a game without little prep. Ah, uh, you know what? Like, I just. I think that's that's the thing, like, because I'm out there, I do it on my own. It was down to me, right? I found that a lot of athletes in my sport, a lot either took the decision not to train at all, or a lot like me went the other way and went, you know what, I'm just going to do absolutely everything. So my house is literally a performance institute at this point. I've got a gym, I've got a training room. I've got no, I've got no actual house features. I could definitely do with your space that you've got in abundance, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only in abundance because I've got nothing in it. Like that's I want to put that right. Like it's it's not big. It's just empty. <laughs> so if anyone wants to send Gaz a present to fill his house, that'd be really useful at this point. Just so when yes, he next please. when he next records a podcast, his house will be full of I don't know teddy bears and nice soft fluffy things that dissolve all your sound. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Please send help. <laughs> Right, so I'm going to move away from Tokyo now. I mean, you've been in a sport quite a while. I got told 24 years, which it's quite... I thought I'd been in my sport a long time, but that's a long time. Can you take me back to when you first tried wheelchair basketball and, you know, what made you want to get involved? What drew you in? What made you want to go out there and play? Yeah, when you say it like that, though, now, like 24 years to still be entertained by throwing a ball in a hole is kind of <laughs> ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I just... It was, it was one of the first sports I tried, and I just like loved it straight away. Um, it was like you know, kind of cliche of you just get this like sense of freedom in a chair, you know, like as an amputee walking around, like learning how to walk again, and you're kind of clunky. You're not really moving around, and, and your experience as a kid are like your your mates like can run for a bus and you can't. They stick you in goal because you know, do you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. people just if you're having to be a goalkeeper, like just getting stuff like. Balls like <laughs> pelted at you basically, um, and you were always at this kind of disadvantage. And then just trying, uh, and I remember I, I really liked swimming because it kind of made me feel like I was on an equal footing to other people my age. And then after that, when I discovered wheelchair basketball, it was just like it just blew me away. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but it I don't want to like oversell it, but it was literally like giving giving my childhood back to me to a sense of just having that sense of freedom and it was really special and I kind of fell in love with it like instantly like I remember instantly just that's what I wanted to play all the time it was fun I don't think it's overselling it at all because that's exactly how I describe finding wheelchair racing you know I I tried wheelchair basketball to begin with I tried a few different sports and it is that feeling isn't it of just getting in the chair and and feeling free it is this new sense of independence that I think for disabled people listening, they've probably sensed it at some point in their lives, but actually for able-bodied people who've never had that independence and that sense of freedom taken away, they might not ever understand, but it is when, you've, when you're given those wheels, you just fly, don't you? And it, it's the most amazing feeling. Yeah, no, but it, it really is. And, and I mean, you're probably the same in terms of you go through these like ups and downs within your sport and you, you know, whether it's the actual sport or the politics around it, like elite sport is tough, you know, mentally tough, it's challenging. And I do tend to heart back to like just the purity of that. It was just so, so pure, that experience. And, and I think for me, that's definitely what keeps me kind of reverting back to it, like just the love of the game or, or, the, or the love of the sport, that initial kind of collision with disability sport gave me. I mean, you just spoke about collisions. It's quite a aggressive sport. Like I remember playing as a, a young girl. Some of the older guys had no worries, like knocking my glasses off, knocking me out my chair. 
as a young boy, did that attract you more to it? Or were you a bit, I was, uh, it scared me. It scared me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I loved it. But I mean, it, I mean, that's another beauty of the sport. I mean, you're saying, as, you know, you were playing in mixed teams, which are basketball until kind of like international level is basically a mixed sport. So you do, you do get that. But yeah, I loved it. I loved it as a kid. Like it was, it was like awesome. I mean, I, I don't tend to hit the floor quite as much now because the old bones are like, uh, is it worth it? Really? Like, really? Do you want to do this on a Tuesday evening? Like, but no, it was, it was amazing. It, I loved it. It was just like, I remember going to like my first training session and it was at a club called Force in West London. It's now called uh, London Tight. And when I think back to it, and it's just the luck of the draw. We had like three or four GB players there, including Abby Adepatan and Sinclair Thomas and, and a few other guys that were in the GB program. And like, I just remember walking in and like, I think, I can't remember who got like clipped out and they like spun out onto the floor and they just like self-righted themselves up. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is going on right now? And I was like, this is just wild. And, and they kind of threw me in straight in the deep end. And it was like, here's the chair, like join in with these like best players in the country like I was just not even like I wasn't making it end to end like I was always like in the back court when the ball was there and like the ball was in the front court and I was in the back court but it was amazing absolutely amazing but that physicality was amazing for me as a boy <laughs> I think this is the magic of Paralympic sport I remember one of my first ever races I raced against Tani Gray Thompson oh wow you know, like this 15 year old girl lining up against one of the world's absolute best and you've just described exactly the same thing and I think that's something that only parasport can offer there's nothing else that can offer that level of eliteness when you're literally having your first try did that session you know going in and seeing those guys did you immediately think yeah like i want to get to their level i want to be a paralympian i want to go and win some medals or did you just think you know what this is this is just fun (laughs) yeah to be honest like i felt like the game was cool if that makes any sense, like I, I fell in love with the coolness of the game. Like I was like, I was thinking about the Paralympics. I mean, Sydney came around pretty quickly after I started playing maybe a year or two into it, and then I saw the Paralympics. But I didn't even know. Like I didn't know about the Paralympics. Like for me, it was like I just saw cool people playing disabled people, and I didn't see their disability. I saw coolness, and I don't think I've seen that. And and maybe just speaks to my character, I suppose. But like I thought it was so cool, like just cool, and that made me like. Like, like the sport, like I was like, this is this is something that's like worth doing. But I suppose it, it also speaks to like when I was a kid and I like cricket. I like those like fast bowlers with the chains, you know, like as they ran. I saw the chains, yeah, like the, in boxing, like seeing the entrances. I was always like intrigued by these cool things, and our wheelchair basketball had that, like these characters and, and and the way they expressed themselves, and they were expressing themselves on the court with these different personalities and characters and physicalities. In para sport, you see like someone who doesn't look athletic in their chair but they really are but they just don't outwardly project athleticism and they were just destroying people that looked like ripped and musty and I was like what is this like, how is this possible and it gave me like a fascination about like the technical aspect of the sport and tactical aspect of the sport it was the coolness of the power of sport for wheelchair basketball that did it for me to be fair I do agree wheelchair basketball is probably one of the coolest sports obviously aside from wheelchair racing of course every time I talk to someone who comes to a games comes to even the commonwealth games people always go oh I got tickets to wheelchair basketball because it's so cool and you're like I suppose it is actually that's the one sport that people always want to come and watch yeah but that's like a privilege actually that people see it and think that way about it it's not disability it's just cool it's interesting right because 
you know, through sport and again, Paris sport, you're so lucky. I was, uh, I mean, I met people from all over the world and friend and developed friendships through the sport. And, and you kind of see the perspective of like other eyes as they, as they like look at our sport and just hearing like what people saw the first time they saw wheelchair basketball is really interesting. Like what they noticed, they, and I think coolness is something that I think disabled people definitely notice. Like if you're, if you're a person of disability, there aren't, you, in society, you're not really cool. It's not cool to be disabled as such by its very nature of how disability is in our society. And I think parasport, and for me in particular, which of us does give that back. And I think that's, that's a pretty, pretty special, special character of parasport. I agree. I mean, I'm very cool anyway, so it's fine. But... <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. We're recording this podcast during Black History Month. So... I guess really I want to ask you, going back again to when you first started wheelchair basketball, you mentioned that, you know, some of your first sessions you saw Addy there. Did that make you feel a bit more welcome? You know, did you ever find that that was a barrier for you getting into sport? I actually thought about this quite a bit. Um, I mean, I'm lucky that I was, you know, I grew up in West London, London being one of the most integrated places in the, in the country, right? And I was always sporty. I went to schools which were black people and brown people and white people so i never saw race as a as a barrier as such and, I, and in my family i was it wasn't really a, a thing as such but seeing people that i felt were like me and i suppose it's only as you get older you realize why you perceive them as like you it was even like the, the kind of socio-economic class of it like you know i saw people who i know had grew up in the same kind of like council estates like i did or like but also, I think more important than all of that was just the supportive environment of the club. When I when I think back to it, like we, I had like people willing to pick me up and drop me because my mom was a single mom and she couldn't necessarily take it every training session, and she had three kids. So being able to pick me up and drop me off, I mean, and give me access and give us the, give me the support to kind of develop as as a person and, and give me opportunities and overcome the obstacles that were coming my way because of my socioeconomic situation and my race and being willing to go the extra mile to help me integrate and help me partake in the sport was absolutely huge absolutely huge and then seeing those people like Adi Deptan and Joe Giratni who's maybe the first South Asian to play for the Great Britain team and he was one of the best players in the country and it, it continues to be a great mentor now they, they, they really didn't make me feel like it was possible I didn't see I didn't realize that race was an obstacle till I got closer to making a GBT, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And in terms of attracting a more diverse base now, how important is it for young people to see themselves reflected in a potential, you know, the people at the top level of sport? One of the top sayings is, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I'm a disabled white girl and I totally feel that. But actually, you know, you must have felt it probably even more. Yeah, I think it's about inter- intersectionality, right? Like your experience as a, as a disabled white woman is it, it's going to come with its own challenges and obviously everyone's kind of diverse experiences intersect differently depending on disability, race, age and gender. But yeah, it's really important. I think, if it, you know, representation matters. It absolutely matters. But I think it's, it's not just about like outliers, you know, it's not just this person has made it so yeah something to aspire to but it's about like create because like like i said like for me the environment was what yeah those those targets were great you know seeing addy and seeing jj and sinclair and jig and, and seeing these guys be great 
basketball players and, and, and achieving was great, but more important than that was the support that I got from the club. Mm. And that was from black, white, and brown people. That wasn't just being somebody to chase. It was it was the fact that someone was willing to take me to training given my situation. And that would be the case even if I was white or black or brown. It doesn't matter. Like overcoming those obstacles that us as firstly disabled people face. Taking a basketball chair on a bus is impossible. <laughs> when you're having to travel sort of 15 miles, you know, for training. And, and those kind of structural issues being able to overcome by just sheer goodwill is just so important, I think. I totally agree. I mean, I've taken a race chair on a bus and I don't recommend it at all to anybody ever. No, no. <laughs> Do you think there's enough ethnic diversity and representation within para-sport? I know in para-athletics, it's something that's actually spoken about quite a lot, that we don't have enough ethnic diversity on our team. We're a predominantly white team. And I suppose as a, a white person, I don't really notice it I don't really think about it my teammates and my teammates do you feel the same or do you feel like I don't know maybe we need to do more about it no I think I think as a para sport team I mean there's it's so I mean me and Abdijama who's the only other yeah is the only other person of colour in, in the team with the kind of two last left last week when we felt that way for a while in our sport at least and, and we've spoken about it but it it's, it's really important to get more, but I think it, it comes at the grassroots. Like I said, like the the willingness to be an ally, the willingness to overcome some of the barriers, and those challenges may be greater than someone else. And, and you know, us as disabled people, we face those anyway. So those obstacles that can be overcome through desire to overcome them can. But there's certain structural issues like, you know, power sport's expensive. It's just expensive. I mean, I was lucky enough to, like, get a basketball chair given to me, donated to me by like a like a pub collection. A friend of the family did like a collection at a pub for like a month and they managed to get enough to get me a chair. But like a, yeah. a new chair is like seven, eight K, right? How do you do that? How do you overcome those things? Because the kind of, the issue of diversity is always linked to this, you know, disadvantaged socioeconomic situation as well. And I think those, those are the things that maybe if we can get more equipment out, it'll make a difference. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, that will benefit grass sport level, you know, no matter who you are, what race you are, what disability you are, where you're from, all of it. Because, you know, when I played basketball, I, I depended on a club chair. Yeah. I played in other players' chairs for about four years when I started playing until I could afford my own. You know what, I do think that's one of the magical things about wheelchair basketball is most clubs have a good field of chairs so people can come along and have a go and wheelchair racing is completely different. <laughs> we have no communal right. chairs really. Um, so if you want to oh. give it a go, you've got to buy your chair. So do you think in your sport, but also in, in other para sports, more needs to just be done at grassroots to, to kind of just make it easier, easier for everyone to come into sport, no matter who you are? Yeah, you, I think I think you've hit, hit it on the nose there. That's exactly it. Just make it easier, like to remove obstacles. Essentially, Paralympic sport, like sport and art, to me is like just an expression of spirit. So, like just removing those blocks that stop that expression. And in para sport, one of those major blocks is lack of equipment, um, transport links, like all that sort of stuff. Like the more obstacles we can remove, and the more we allow like the human spirit to shine through sport, the better it is. Completely agree. But unfortunately, as athletes, I don't really think that... I don't know. Do we have a role in that? We definitely have a role in that, you know, passing on old chairs and trying to inspire the next generation. But hopefully someone out there is listening with a nice pot of cash that means we can actually remove some of those barriers and 
ultimately make it so the next the next me or the next you can come through and and hopefully win some more medals for Paralympics GB. 100%. 100%. Right, I feel like this bit of the conversation has been quite heavy, so let's line it up a bit. Going back to your acting career that I don't actually know anything about, so what have you actually acted in? I should have I should have checked out your page before uh, before I interviewed you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very much in this belt. Like, there's, there's certain projects coming out that I'm not allowed to speak about at the moment. But um, I'm very much like, it ties it a lot into the stuff that I'm really interested in, like diversity, representation, climate change, all sorts of different things that I'm really interested in. I've got some projects on, in the works and that. And I'm literally on this kind of pathway. So I haven't, like, you know, the fact that you didn't know anything, it's not like I'm on these tenders every week. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just something I'm exploring and, and going along and, and um, kind of learning as I go and just trying to take the lessons that I've learned as an athlete and apply them to a, a different form of expression, I feel. Do you feel like you face similar challenges in terms of equal representation as a disabled person as well in the TV world, in the TV and film world, or is it very, very different to sport? I mean, there's similarities and differences. I mean, it's not I, identical, but like there are like structural issues. So, so like the acting school that I go to is upstairs in a little building in London, up two flights of stairs. Now, like if I were to check, there's just no way to overcome that. So there are like still structural issues that would be in the way of getting some of this done um, and just having access. So I recognize that straight away that there are similarities in, in that process. In terms of representation, like what stories we tell and who writes them, you know, we as people in the Paralympic community, disabled people, we have like a bit of a skewed view of what disability is in the sense that we are around it. Whereas, you know, and, and when I see you, I just see Hannah because I've probably seen 30 disabled people that day. Do, do you know, like I've seen 30 chairs. So like even visually, it's no longer a like, oh, like, I'm not having to do any work to see you as a human being. Like, I just see you as a human being because I don't, I see so many chairs that the chair is no longer the, the thing that jumps out first. It's not the first thing I know. It's the same with, like, you know, with ethnic diversity. If you just see black and brown people all the time, it's no longer, oh, here's a black or brown person in a room. You're just around black and brown people, so they just become a person. So it's the same kind of thing. So how disability is stories are written and included in stories or how disability is the humanity of disability is is portrayed is the the thing that i i see similarities in in the, in the paralympic movement in the paralympic movement also is like we are inspirational to the public because we overcome things and, and they're able to and through our sheer performances we're able to get our humanity back essentially whereas when you see and we are aspirational to a small cohort like you with Tani Gray, me with Abby. We are inspirational to other disabled people, but we are not aspirational to the general public. We're inspirational. And I feel like that is the story we have to tell and how we are written about and, and different disabilities and, and how like nuanced characters that are like flawed and, 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 and are just human beings like you. And, and those are the things that we don't have yet, I feel, in the arts as well. And it's, it is changing, it is changing. And, and for me to get an opportunity to do some of the projects that I'm doing, is, is it's fine and progress. But I feel we've, we've got a way to go. And I feel like the more people we get in the arts that are disabled, as in disabled people writing about the world, whether that's you know, screenplays or dramas or, what, what, or comedies or whatever it may be, the more we get that, the more we're going to be able to have actual representation rather than kind of 
here, here's a person in a chair, in a show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak about it that eloquently. So well done, because you made me think about a lot of things that I, even I as a disabled person, haven't really thought about. You know, I watch TV and I think, oh, I'm sick of the disabled person always being the, I don't know, the person that you're supposed to feel sorry for. Like, oh, look at them, and it's is there's never just a wheelchair user just walking down the street. But actually, in everyday life now, realistically, do people go around not seeing disabled people? I. I don't think they do, but maybe it is because my life is spent surrounded by people like me. Because that's what you do. You surround yourself with similar people. You probably live around similar people. You do the same things as your friends and the people that are around you. And yeah, I've never really thought about it. But I am very intrigued what your future projects are now. (laughs) Well, hopefully there'll be way more as well. And and you'll see more of me, but it's a work in progress. No, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, are you the next James Bond? Is that what you're not telling us? Well, no, if, listen, if, if someone can write, like, me as James Bond, amazing, let's do it. I'm, I'm willing to play whatever role. <laughs> but that would be cool, right? That would be cool. But that would be cool. For me, it's more, um, it, it's not necessarily about just, you know, getting to those individuals that kind of break boundaries. I, I want us to just have, like, stories told about life that represent life and and. and You've met nice disabled people, you've met horrible disabled people, you've met like medium disabled people, and, and you've met like disabilities of people which require a lot of care to, to kind of overcome the obstacles that are in their way, and some people that are completely on the face of it not disabled, they don't pro- project themselves. This is why like representation matters, like seeing the diversity. And a shout out to some of the Paralympians that are doing amazing work, like obviously I spoke about Addy who's just an absolute trailblazer, but just even seeing Ellie on Strictly or Kadena on um, I'm a Celebrity, I think it was. Yeah. And just seeing, you know, just how amazing, like, just amazing. Just another way to be a human being. Like, how amazing is that? It is amazing, but we need to move away from that conversation of, oh, there's the, you know, they've got to have a disabled person and everything now. It's, it's not true. They're there on their own credentials. They're there because, you know what? Watching Ellie right now, she's smashing it on Strictly. She's... I wish I could dance like that. Not a chance. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I never knew she had that in her. I, didn't, I had no idea she could like do that. Like That's insane how good it is. But of course she can do it. She's an athlete. You know, she knows how to push her body. She knows how to motivate herself. She knows how to be a champion. And I, I definitely think she's in it to win it. So it is amazing to see disabled people being integrated. And it's about time people stop looking at it as, oh, well, they have to tick a box and actually go you know what, that's, that's the best person for that job and that's why they are there. You know, with all our teammates that you just mentioned, that is exactly the case. They're there because that's where they should be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I mean, with James Bond, he is definitely a wheelchair user by now. Absolutely he is. <laughs> you can't do that many missions and not be. Yeah, but I think I'm already aged out of Bond. I'd want to, I'd want to start like a different, <laughs> a different spy. But I, I don't know, like... I, it's gonna, it's gonna sound pretty, but when it comes to like movies and, and TV and stuff, like I wanna to get to a stage where the table people, people can play able-bodied people. Yeah. Because technically, it's possible. You can do that technically, you know, in terms of. So like that's the kind of stage that we want to be able to see the world at, where you know when you see the amazing portrayal of someone like Anna de Armas of um, Marilyn Monroe in the new biopic or in the new movie rather and just see the job she did and she's Argentinian she's got a Spanish accent when she speaks but she completely embodied that role mm-hmm. and you get lost in it and I want to see opportunities for disabled people to do that like to forget and technically speaking it's just a technical obstacle to get through like if you can make 
you know, if you think about a movie like Avatar, which had a wheelchair, an able-bodied person being a wheelchair user, and but the whole movie is CGI. Like the whole movie is then CGI. So that could have been a disabled actor who played the able-bodied. Um, I can't remember the name of the alien creatures, but they could have played that because the same technique could have applied. You know, so those kind of things are like is what I want to see, and ultimately I want disability to not be. We just don't want to see disability be an obstacle for anything in life, right? And, yeah. and the more we kind of expand our technical know-how of how to manipulate the environment to make it obstacle-free, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the more we we should do that. And I, and I love the fact that Paralympians are kind of like right there knocking at the door all the time. Yeah, I think you've you've hit spot on. I mean, general question, but what's your dream role? You can you can do anything in the world. What is it? Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> what I'm thinking about now is James Bond. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, dream role? I don't really know. I mean, it's, it's going to sound mad, but like, it, it's put this this athlete in me. I'm kind of just like obsessed with the process at the moment. Like, so I don't think of even like roles as such. I just think of like just connecting with like just being more and more human and I just want to do as much as I can and explore all of the spectrum of different ways of being human the more I get to do that that the better it will be like you know I I want to play all of it like whatever it is that, that's what I'm really interested and passionate about at the moment well I'm sure after this we'll all be watching out for you and uh putting you forward for anything we hear about bringing it back to sport because i feel like we're just getting sucked down a tunnel of james bond and avatar and who knows what else right now paris 2024 is less than two years away i know that hurts it hurts me um amongst the acting ambitions is paris on the cards for you are you going to make the team and what do you want to do when you get there yeah i hope so that's the plan that's why i'm in in germany and, and playing and i'm still playing at a really high level so the plan is absolutely Paris like I said that goal I feel like for people who don't follow like wheelchair basketball there's these kind of competitions that you you know at club and international and if I was to make an analogy of like football it's like you know the Premier League the Bundesliga the La Liga Champions League World Cup European Championships so I'm in Germany now because it's the only league I haven't won so I'll be the first athlete ever to win that if I do it it'll be Spain Germany and Italy the first one to do it which is like the immediate goal uh, on the way to Paris. I've kind of kicked off, and especially if we kick off the German League, which is not going to be easy, but the only thing left will be the gold in Paris. And I don't want to, like, a gold at a Paralympics is the only thing left. At the end of all of it, I'm literally just, like, obsessed with winning. It's terrible. I, I like, I, I'm tired and I take joy in all these things. And in the end, it's just like, uh, like, win a gold medal. Like, I can't <laughs> believe it's still, like, I feel like golden, like, for that ring, like, it, it still drives me. So I'm definitely, like all in for Paris and, and let's see what happens I genuinely truly believe you can do it you know and I, I get it completely gold is I've won a few and they're, they're the best ever feeling yeah. so when you get there <laughs> enjoy your moment because it's it is the absolute pinnacle it's the best time and Paris is your time look you've done you've won all these things you're you're changing the world in the acting world and the, the Paris sport world why not just go and grab it that's the dream Paris is a dream that's our headline. That's a great place to finish. Paris is a dream. You'll do it when you're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. It's been really, really interesting to chat to you. And yeah, I'll be supporting you. And I'm sure every listener now will be supporting you and watching your every move. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
So that's it for today's podcast. But for more info on Paralympics GB, head to paralympics.org.uk and follow us on the socials at Paralympics GB. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever it is you are listening to this show, as there'll definitely be more shows, more guests, and more stories from behind the scenes in Paralympic sports. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The Paralympics GB Podcast with Hannah Cockcroft.